Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Coming Soon, Part 3, Peace, recorded Sunday, December 12, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. How many of you have been in a nativity play, like a Christmas play? It's been in one. Like many of you, many of you have. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you are in a drama, and there are a bunch of kids wearing robes, and, and uh, you know, there were some you know, kids dressed as animals, probably. You might even had real animals. I don't know. I remember back in my elementary years, I actually, believe it or not, was selected to play the role of Joseph. Now, I thought I was big stuff, let me tell you. But that's a big part. Like, you got, you know, there's the big two, you know, the baby Jesus. Now, in our nativity play, it was a little doll little porcelain doll, I think. And then, and then there's the, the, you know, the other star of the show, Mary, who actually has lines. And I thought, well, I must be important. And then I realized, like years later, why did they select me? Because they said, all you do is stand there and keep your mouth shut. It'll be fine. That was my job. Don't say anything. Joseph is like many dads when a baby's born. We support the stars of the show. We try to keep our mouths shut for fear that we'll say the wrong thing. Like I've heard about men who have said, just saying, men have said things like this. You know, you're coming down to it, ladies, and he says, I hope we have four more, honey. (laughs) No, not then you don't say that. You might say that, but not then. Or, Or here's one that, you know, don't, don't do this. Does it hurt, honey? Can I take your bottom lip and wrap it around your head right now? I'm just, just, you know, the old Bill Cosby thing. Um, or, that wasn't so bad, was it? Mm-hmm. Somebody may have heard that one. I don't know. It's like, let's not go there. It's like darkness comes into your soul right now. You're like, how much longer, babe? Hey, you mind if I turn the TV up a little bit? No. Don't be stupid. Here's Joseph standing there, looking bright and happy, says nothing to be too stupid. That's probably not how the real Joseph was. He had a lot to do. Like, this guy had, he had a different kind of scenario than than maybe you and I did. But look, there's something that all of us in the human experience are familiar with. And that is, there are going to be times when things don't go the way we hoped. You know, that that you're going to be thrust into a plan B scenario. You're going to have a trip that you plan and scheme and and, uh, save for, and then you do the trip, and it's like, this is nothing like what I thought it was going to be. I mean, you run into all kinds of stuff, or, you know, it's COVID season, so you got to deal with all that stuff in ways that you never thought, you know, whatever. Your wedding day. Like, you know, you have all these grand plans about how that's all going to, you know, you have this fantasy idea possibly of what that day is going to be, and it's nothing like you, you thought. You had a vision, and the reality was different. Now, the good news is that most of those things, when you look back on them, you can laugh. You, you know, there's, you're going to find humor in it. It's going to be great. As a matter of fact, it, made it, it makes it even more special because when you look back, you have things to talk about that are interesting. But in a room this size, I know this. 
there are going to be some people here today, and you are living in a plan B scenario that isn't a laughing matter. I'm, I'm sure that's true. That, that your, your dreams have been silenced. That, that your hopes have been, have been waylaid in a way that you think there's not any hope it'll ever be right. You're not sure how you're going to make it to tomorrow, much less through Christmas because of how you feel right now. Now, throughout this series, we've been talking about people who lived in the first Christmas drama, and, and we're trying to take our cue on how God helps us wait when we're anxious about what's coming. And uh, when coming soon seems like not hardly or don't hold your breath or, not, or fat chance, there's some things that we have to grasp and grapple with. And, and today, the person we're considering is, is Joseph, the, the man who was called to raise the Son of God on earth. Now, when we look at this, I want you to think about this about Joseph. This was not his dream, not going into it. So let's read some about it, Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. I mean, think about the pressure just right there. Like, this is the kid you're going to raise. The way he's described is Jesus, the Messiah. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together... She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, he was a religious guy, and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, so he was just going to divorce her quietly. How do you find peace in the plan B slam face fest? You know what I'm saying? Because, because there, I mean, the real question is, can you have peace? When, when your dreams are, are turned upside down. Now, when we encounter Joseph for the first time, it, it's when he finds out he is in a real nightmare of a scenario. I mean, I mean, this is not what he dreamed for. I mean, this is not the scenario that he was envisioning as he was engaged to and was betrothed to this woman. The story opens with Mary, this young woman who's pledged to be married to him. And, and he's this young guy, a carpenter in the village called Nazareth, not his hometown, by the way. We, we don't know how he got there. We just know he doesn't live in Bethlehem, his hometown. And so, uh, and by the way, when we think of engagement, we have this, you know, this idea that our culture thrusts at us that it's like an engagement and you get a pretty ring, and then you spend some time planning a wedding, and then you have, a, you know, have this big, big event or whatever the event is, and you're married. No, in, in their day and age, uh, this is not how that worked. It says they were betrothed. That means they were in a legally binding relationship. You couldn't simply just call that thing off. You actually had to go through a divorce proceeding to end it. She's pregnant. Now, in that day, that's grounds for divorce. But the twist is that she's pregnant by, by who? The Holy Spirit, by God. Now, sit in this for just a second and try to grasp this. Most Bible scholars believe that Mary was 
the age of your, your eighth grade granddaughter or daughter. Seventh, eighth grade, 13 years old, 15 years old. Most scholars believe that Joseph was a little older than that. He might have been a, you know, a high school age person. Maybe, maybe not. Mary comes to this teenage boy, that's the way I look at it, who is engaged to be married, which is weird in our culture, and says, hey, uh, I got some news for you. I'm pregnant, but don't, it's not what you think. It's, it's God that made this happen. It's the Holy Spirit. Oh, okay, it's okay. Uh, you know, what do you do with that? You're this kid. How could Joseph not be devastated or felt betrayed? Or if nothing else, had a big bucket of old cold water thrown into his future. And so it, it certainly brought a huge amount of, of drama into this young guy's life. Now, you need to know, Joseph could have put Mary through a living hell. He could have taken her before the, the community at the public square, which was a place that's at their city hall. They did everything in the open square. He could have accused her of adultery, and he could have had her shamed and shunned for the rest of her life. Her life would never be the same again. There would be no man who would ever love her the way she deserved, and her child would have a scarlet letter on him too. Now, we don't know a lot about Joseph. We do know a couple things because it tells us this. We know, first of all, he didn't buy the story, not at first, because he was going to have her, he was going to divorce her. Now, I mean, who would buy this story, by the way? I mean, it's kind of a far-fetched story. I mean, think about it. There, there are likely some of you who are struggling to believe this story, too, by the way. I, I think that any time we come together at Christmas time, there's, there's people who come into churches who, and you might be one of these, and we're glad you're here, but there's people who are like, I don't know, I want to see if the story means anything to me. The story about a Jesus, and what does that mean, and who is Jesus, and was he really... You know, was he really a baby born to a virgin and, you know, that kind of, it's kind of far-fetched, right? And then, and it's the story of how this Jesus grew up and he became the, you know, the savior of mankind. He died on the cross and most people believe that, but did he really rise from the dead? That's a, that's a lot to ask. So if you're here and that's you, I'm glad you're here, first of all. Thank you for being here. But, but secondly, just realized the first man who heard the story, he's like, eh, I don't think so. No, I don't believe that. Now, to be clear, our church believes that the rest of legitimate Christianity in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. We, we even have in our belief statement which says that, that we believe this. Now, Joseph didn't have some belief statement about this. All he had was a, a young betrothed fiancé who had this crazy story. Now, the second thing we know about Joseph is this. He was a righteous man. That's what it says. I mean, I will take that to mean he was a decent guy, that he was a religious person. He had love. He had concern for Mary. He didn't probably believe her story. We know he probably didn't, but he wanted to protect her, so he loved her, or at least he cared about her. Now, in a situation like this culturally, again, he could have brought her into all kinds of ruination. But here's the thing. Now, hear me on this. And guys, I, guys, tune into me for just a few minutes. I'm, ladies, this is for everyone, but guys, please hear me. Listen to this. Character eats reputation for lunch. 
Here's what I mean. It wasn't Joseph's character. Excuse me. It wasn't Joseph's reputation at this point that was at stake. It was his character. And he was a righteous man. That means he was a man of character. Uh, as a preacher and, and as a dad and as a grandfather, I, I care about character. Um, I'm, I'm a person who, who tries to understand character from the perspective of how God wants me to be as a person. And I'm certainly not perfect, far from it. But I see character in others in a good way, too. I see sometimes not-so-good ways that character is revealed. As a dad, as a granddad, as a preacher, I want all my boys to be men of character. Duncan Campbell makes this statement, reputation is who you are before people. Character is who you are before God. Reputation is who we make people think we are. And we can play some games with that. We can be legitimate in that. It's like who we are. We show up, we're that person, or we're not, whatever, but we can fake that. Character is who you really are. And here's the thing. Reputation's going to work okay when things are going okay. You know, when it's easy. Reputations, that's, that's, that's a breeze. Now, character, that's different. When dreams get thwarted, when things get out of your control, when life pushes you into the brink of, of despair and despondency, when you, when you are getting pushed around by this world, which you certainly will. And as much as I love my boys and my sons and my grandboys and my church boys, I, and I would love to shield them from hardship. I would love to help them avoid at all costs the pain that life craps on us. Sorry I'm so, being so vivid on that. I know that God cannot do in you what needs to be done in the easy times of life. And Joseph is learning that lesson in a remarkable way where he is going to discover there's a reservoir of mercy, of patience, of forgiveness, of courage that can only be found in something like this. One of the things we know about God, we know God will give us what we need, not necessarily what we want, but what we need when we will journey with him. He'll give you peace. Here's the thing, guys. Hardship is not the worst thing. The worst thing is wasting it. God grows us up. Joseph, this, I'm going to say it, this boy grows up in a big way, real quick. In the face of adversity, what is going to be revealed in your character. David Brooks, who wrote a book called The Second Mountain, he says this, when it comes to suffering, hardship, adversity, you and I have two choices. We can either be broken or we can be broken open. 
Broken people become cynical. We become calloused. We retreat from the world. We hide in ourselves. We hide away from the help of others. People who are broken open are laid bare before God, and rather than running from God, they tap into God. You are going to be broken at times in your life. The question is, will you let God break you open and enter in and make you who you were designed to be? I love how King David likens hardship to a journey, a hard journey, a painful experience. Here's what he says. This is an awesome passage. You can read the whole chapter. I'm going to read just a couple of verses. Psalm 84, verses 5 through 7. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. And listen to this phrase. Whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. So you're willing to go with God on something. But here's the something he's describing. As they pass through the valley of Baca, meaning misery, weeping, that's what that word means, they make it a place of springs. In other words, what they do is, with those people who are willing to go on this journey with God, you, you dig a well. You do something to, to bring substance to this experience, to bring, to bring the help you need in this dry, deep valley. You dig a well. Then the autumn rains also cover it with pools. That's when God steps in. And then here's what it says. They go from strength to strength. Meaning you take your strength in the moment and do something with it. God brings his into it till each appears before God in Zion. What does a person of character do? You dig in. You dig a well, and you tap into God. That's what he's saying. You tap into your strength, and you wait for God to give you his. Joseph was a good guy. He was trying to do the right thing with a really difficult plan B scenario. There's some misery in this, friend. He digs in, and he taps in. Here's how it worked. Verse 20 of this is back to, to Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in, in her, it truly is from the Holy Spirit. I'm confirming that with you, the angels say. She will give birth to a son. You were to give, you were to give him the name Jesus. You don't give him a name. This is my plan now. This plan be my plan. I'll name the kid. You're going to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And that means, it didn't say it here, he's going to be your savior. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel. That's like a title meaning that God will be with you. He'll, he's with us. Now, you can read this and you think, oh, that's just all it took. You know, he had this really cool dream. And he, oh, yeah, it all makes sense now. Uh, tore up the divorce papers and went and found Mary and said, hey, let's get this thing done. That is, I don't think that's how this happened. I mean, I'm just being honest. I mean, if he's anything like me and maybe like you, 
even when the truth is right in his face, I think he still went, I don't believe that. That's still unbelievable to me. I, I, I don't want to do it. And, and I mean, I, I can prove this to you because how much and, and how often do you struggle with the truth is right before you and you're like, eh, I don't want to do that. In the face of God's clear word for you, what are you going to do? In the face of God's clear word for you, will you dig in your heels or will you dig a well? I mean, I could name any number of areas in our lives and in this room probably where a lot of so-called followers of Jesus have a clear word from God and they just simply don't do what he says to do. This is especially obvious in areas where we believe our personal peace is at stake. How do I find peace when my dream is not being realized? I will tell you how. You'll have to figure out how then. You let God take your plan B, and you let God turn it into a triple A plan. Now, how does that happen? Well, we have some clues again from this young guy in the first century whose life was turned upside down, and he's trying to figure it out. First of all, you got to let go of some of your fears. He was told, fear not. Easier said than done. Take Mary to be your wife. See, I would I'd just say it this way. You should never be afraid to go with God, even if the journey seems impossible. You should never be afraid when God's going with you. I mean, he said the same thing to Zachariah. Remember two weeks ago, if you are here, he told Zachariah, the priest in the temple, fear not. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about Mary more. He tells Mary in her vision, fear not. What was Joseph afraid of? Well, I would say he would be afraid of a lot of things. Okay? First of all, he's, he's a kid. He may have had parents around. He's got to go to his, tell his parents what's going on. I mean, most kids don't talk to their parents anyway, but you definitely don't want to talk to them then. And then, and then there's this other thing of this, this whole thing of I'm going to raise God's son. I feel a little inferior on that thing, like that, that you know, that ability who am I? I mean, could he have felt that? Maybe. It's a big assignment. And then I was thinking this, like just being a dude, okay, the guys are over at the gym playing basketball. They didn't do that. They probably kicked balls in the dirt. I don't know what they did, but you're going to show up and say, hey, guys, got a little news for you. My girlfriend's pregnant. Ooh. How'd that happen? Huh? Then you're going to go into that other thing? I mean, he's probably afraid about that situation. God says, look, I got a plan here. Don't be afraid. What are you afraid of? Like, like if you're in one of these plan B real-time scenarios where life is kind of in that, I don't like this zone, name your fears. If you're a writer, just get a piece of paper, get your journal out, and just start writing them down. What do God, and if you're just a verbal person like I am, like, you know, I walk about every day, believe it or not, and... You know, if I've got some kind of thing that's just pushing me around, I'll just say, God, here's what I'm afraid of. Here's what I'm afraid of. Here's where my fear is. Help me with this. Got a friend that's 
spiritually minded. I mean, they know Jesus. I don't mean just they're spiritual. You don't need a spiritual friend giving you advice. You need a Jesusly spiritual friend who's giving you advice. And if you can trust them, you say, hey, I got some fears. Can you help me? Here's another thing. Look beyond yourself. What we often do when we're in a dream-altering crisis is we try to just go close. Like, like we, 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 we go into ourselves. We, we want to hide from the world. We don't want people to speak into it. We have, might have some shame. But, but what he's showing us is, is that, you know, you got to get out of that. you got to break out of that. Because when, when you're into yourself, that means you're not letting God in either. You need a broader perspective. Joseph turns his focus toward helping Mary. He turns his focus towards raising Jesus. It shows immense selflessness for him to step out of his own concerns and to take on Mary's. And that's what he does. And then he listens and obeys. I kind of like the, the way it's described, even though it's like all like a vision that Joseph had. But it says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel told him to do. He took Mary home as his wife. But he didn't consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. See, to me, what, this is what Paul calls in Romans 1, the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. Dreams will never be realized if you stay asleep. At some point, you got to wake up and you got to move forward. You know, Matthew doesn't say a whole lot about <coughs> excuse me, Mary's pregnancy. But in Luke 2, we get some insight. It says in verse 1, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman Empire. And, and, and this was the first census, it says, that was, took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria, which that means he was the overall governor of this region. Everyone went to their hometown to register. So Joseph went up from Nazareth to Bethlehem because that's where his lineage lie. That's, that's his hometown. He had to go there. And he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and expecting a child. Have you ever been on a journey that you didn't want to take? You probably have. You got cancer. Well, who wants to go on that journey? Not me. I certainly don't want you to you you two either. There's divorce. You know, you thought you were going to be married to that person the rest of your life. They, they, you know, you were in love for the rest of your life. That's not a journey no one wants to go. Anyone wants to go on. Maybe it's some death that's thrown you into a grief beyond your ability to survive on your own. Or for you, it could just be the loneliness of life because you thought you were going to have somebody at this point in your life. And no one's ever emerged that could fill the bucket that you thought would get filled by them. I don't know. Some of you, it can just be the reality that you're going to go into another December and it's going to be kind of like the last one when, you know, everyone else is singing songs like this is the most wonderful time of the year and you don't feel it. Like you are depressed again and you're going deeper again. I want to say something and I want to be gentle. But I believe it needs to be said. What if your journey is intended to bring you a peace that passes all understanding and the only way you can get it is to go through the valley of misery? 
of baka, of weeping. Because that's the only way that God can help you dig the well that's going to sustain you and cover the pools with the blessing and resources that he can bring in that period of time. I think you know the story. Joseph's hometown, Bethlehem, about 70 miles from Nazareth. That means, you know, they didn't own a Prius or a Pontiac, okay? So this is a donkey, the girl, and Joseph, right? And maybe some packs. I don't know. And so it's the equivalent of riding a donkey from Broken Bow to Grand Island, ladies, in your third trimester, okay? Let's just be real. Now, we get fussy and we got to wait for, for an hour and a half for the centimeters to get bigger. I mean, you know, this is a, this is a tough road. It's quite a journey. You got to believe Joseph didn't want to take that trip. You got to believe certainly Mary didn't want to take it. And the donkey, he wasn't happy about it either. There's movies about it. Watch them. He starts out on the longest journey he's ever taken from home. It's a famous story. You get there, nothing's open for them. There's no room in the inn. I got to think about this this week. This, I don't know why this never hit me, but it, this week it hit me. I'm thinking, what? That's his hometown. There's got to be a second cousin with a couch, right? Why in the world are people so unwilling to give this desperate couple a bed to have a baby on? And then it hit me. It's the scarlet letter. It's the shame of the experience. It's the rumors that probably came with them about, eh, they, uh, mm -mm. She's got some wacky story about the Holy Spirit in this thing. We don't want that in our house at Christmas time. It wasn't Christmas time then, but you know, you know, time. Well, we don't want this in our house at census time. <laughs> Ever been on a journey you didn't want to be on? Are you on that kind of a journey now? Joseph and Mary had a perspective that got them through. And here's what it was. Jesus was with them. He was. He was with them. And he was coming soon. That's what drove it. The destination was what got them there. God was with them. He got them home. And they knew that at some point in this whole scenario... They would arrive in his will. Crucial. And it makes for a heck of a story. What if home is not where you want to be? Some of you are probably dreading it. You know you're going to go back to North Loop or, you know, or Primgar. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I won't go there. Too many scarlet letters on me. People never understand me. My scenarios, my plan B scenarios, they don't get it. Well, go with Jesus. Take him with you. All that doubt, all that fear, all that lack of peace, at least when you go with Jesus, you know that there's something solid with you that can take you anywhere. And Lord, we thank you for coming, coming in, into our world. You didn't just enter into the womb of a woman. You entered into the womb of the earth, the world, to save us.
This time that we commune is our celebration of the fact that you loved us enough that you gave your one and only son. You sent him here so that we can have hope, forgiveness, a new life, a fresh start, and ultimately the enjoyment of eternity in new relationship with the God of the universe, the God who created all of it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. There's plenty of chaos to be found. And Joseph certainly had a whole bucket full of himself. But uh, somehow, uh, with God's help, he found his way through it. And uh, he found the real meaning behind all of this. This coming soon scenario meant something not just for him, but for you and me too. And so as we go forward in the next few couple weeks, I hope that you'll journey with us. And uh, in this, that God will keep speaking to you about what he has for you in this very special time of your life, whatever that means. And uh, walk with him, walk with him, and help him to understand you, but also you understand him. That even in the valley, the valley of misery, if that's what you find yourself in, there's hope when Jesus is with you. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.